thanks, you can be seated. Aren't you grateful for uh, people who are gifted to be able to lead us in worship? And uh, if you would just remember a side note, would you be praying for Nick and Jill and for Mike and Jenny this week as they're at Cedarville University and leading 3,000 students in worship this week? Um, what an opportunity for them. And we're just grateful. What a great setup for what we're going to be studying our passage today. Folks, today it's time to meet God. Human history begins with God creating the universe and Adam and Eve. And uh, God calls it all very good. Very good. And God tells Adam and Eve to multiply and to fill the earth. He wants more like them. He wants more worshipers, more of his creation that are expanding and giving him full glory. He wants the earth filled with worshipers. And not only talking about irritating the living life out of Satan by that. But Adam and Eve follow Satan's problem of sin and pride. and They lust to be like God in a way. And for the first time, mankind is separated from its creator. The relationship is broken. But Adam and Eve multiply outside of the Garden of Eden. And so does man's sin. So later, God selects Noah. And God chooses Noah to be a, a, a remnant, a, a human remnant that would pull, be pulled out of God's coming judgment. And after the flood, Noah again is told to fill the earth and multiply. God wants the earth filled with worshipers of him. But sin multiplies again. So God picks Abraham. And God covenants with Abraham, this old childless man and his wife, that they, he, would father a nation, a nation that would be holy. The word holy means set apart. A nation set apart unto God. And that nation begins when Isaac is born. And then Jacob is born. And then Joseph is born. Joseph, Abraham's great-grandson ends up in Egypt as a slave. But decades later, Joseph ends up prime minister of all of Egypt. We would around here say, big God. And Joseph's family relocates to Egypt, and the Hebrews locate to Egypt. And they multiply like rabbits by God's blessing. Why? Because God wants the earth filled with worshipers. After some uh, 400 years there, there are about 2 million of them. 2 million slaves to Pharaoh. So, God bursts a little baby boy. A Hebrew boy. That literally floats 
into Pharaoh's house. And for 40 years, this little baby boy grows up with all the privilege of Egypt and the training to become a leader. The kind of a leader that could, for them, actually lead the nation. But God has a different plan. And Moses has to hightail it out of Egypt. And he ends up in desert isolation for 40 years. Raising dumb, cute sheep. At the age of 80, Moses unexpectedly meets God at Mount Sinai. And God tells him of a plan. God tells him about a plan that he has. God wants to use this desert, no man, valedictorian trained leader to go back to Egypt and to bring his people out. So Moses goes to Egypt, talks with a hard-hearted polytheistic pharaoh. Ten plagues later, after God has shown himself very big, God miraculously brings two million Hebrew slaves out of the land of Egypt. But God has them out of Egypt, but as oftentimes said, Egypt was not out of them. So on the east side of the Red Sea, God begins to work with them and teach them about what a life journey with him is about. That it's an everyday faith journey. The kind of a faith journey that includes going where he tells them to go and even providing food every day for them in desert nothing world. Is he going to provide breakfast tomorrow? Is he going to provide dinner tomorrow? Then is he going to provide breakfast the next day? It's a faith journey. And then... In Exodus 19, they come back to the place where it started with Moses. And it's time to meet God. What we just sang about. Do we believe it? Do we? Do I? Friends, it's time to meet God. Open your Bibles to Exodus 19. Lord, I pray as we dig in here to your word that we would have a blast that we would experience as much as we can experience here as possible because this is a culmination of redemptive history to date. Never, never in human history to this point in time has there been such a group of people, such a widespread, dedicated, selected, God-moved, God-pulled-together group of people that are about to hear you and see you. Lord, may our apathy 
be gone this morning and enrapture us. Only because of Christ. Amen. Exodus chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible with you, you've got some people coming around with one because I want your eyes in a Bible today because this passage rocks. Exodus 19 verse 1. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim where they had been before in chapter 17 and 18 and came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him, Moses, out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves, by the way, that's an emphatic. It's not just you, but it's God in essence going, Hey, you, you, I'm talking about you, you, you yourselves. Hey, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Listen, just the picture of that statement is a beautiful picture when you think about it. Just, you know, this whole thing of God brings these two million slaves out of Egypt on eagles' wings. I mean, you can just, if I can, I just picture it, this gigantic, strong, just like, in fact, I was driving down Rockville Road this morning, saw a hawk sitting on a, a, a uh, what do you call it, a fire hydrant. Yeah, that's what it's called. Sitting, standing on this fire hydrant. And that bad boy, I'm not kidding, I was trying, I didn't think about it until just now. That bad boy's just sitting there with his breast out, like, just like, come on. And this is an eagle, and God is talking about, he is like on an eagle's wings, literally put them on his back and brought them out. It wasn't because they deserved it. It wasn't because God was so enamored with them, because God was like, oh, you guys above all people are so holy, so righteous, so good that I've got to bring you out. No, no, no. This is like, I selected you, and even though you're polytheistic people who really don't even necessarily fully worship me, I'm going to bring you out. Why? Because I said I would. And with strong eagle, he puts him on his back and just, however the eagle does it. That's just a big God. Not only strength and power, but just beauty and care. By the way, where did he bring them? God is personal. God brings them to himself. God doesn't ship them off somewhere as far away from him as possible. God takes them and he brings them to himself. Oh, just the intimacy, the beauty of what's taking place. I'm going to bring you to a place and you're going to come to me. Verse 5, now therefore. In other words, as a result of that, in light of what was just happened, in light of the fact that you've seen this and I'm the one who bore you, now therefore, if conditional, it's a conditional clause here, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. 
God is saying, listen, you've seen what I've done. You have come to understand. I've shown myself to you. You've participated in this thing. This has been all about me. And now that I've brought you here, I have something to communicate to you. Well, I don't want to hear it. No, no, no. You forgot the fact that I'm the one who brought you. I mean, this is not like I set you up. It's like people are like, yeah, you did bring me here. I did see that. What do you have to say? What do you have to say? Listen, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant. Listen, God has shown himself at a place to where in all of this, it's like, my goodness, he has earned their trust. Where along the line has God been cruel to them? Is this idea of a legalistic God where I just want to set you up, crank you up, and squash you like a bug? What? God has brought them to him out of beauty and care and strength. But, if it, but it's an if. If what? If you keep, then a couple things are going to happen. If you keep my commands and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. Now, if there's someone I'd want to be a treasured possession of, I think God would be a pretty cool one to be able to say, I'm his treasured possession. And you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. I'm king. Verse 6, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a set-apart nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. If you obey conditional covenant, to be God's treasured possession among all is the result, to be God's kingdom of priests and his intercessors, to be a holy set-apart nation. How cool is that? But some say, yeah, but Doug, life with God is a bummer. Life with God is a legalistic do's and don'ts. I trust that's not you. The reality is, is we are here. God's people get to do the great stuff. No, I'd rather go back in Egypt and be a slave. No, I'd rather be nothing. But here they get to do the cool stuff. They get to do the eternal stuff. They get to do the stuff that's of real value. Think about this. Why are so many sometimes caught up in this? You see, if I give the the fun up to serve God, then I give the fun. I'm going to miss the fun. Listen, in everything there are sacrifices. Being employed is a good thing. But there are sacrifices to being employed. When you're employed, you have to wake up in the morning and you have to get up in the morning and you have to do things and you have to follow. Listen, there are sacrifices of being employed and sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. But being employed is a good thing. Being married is a good thing. 25 years this week. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. Our kids are gone and now I love it. Listen, but marriage requires a new relationship life. I can't do some of the things I used to do when I was single. Like, Doug, what are you talking about? Like doing all the stuff I want to do when I want to do it my way. Children requires life changes. But parents, aren't kids really the coolest we dropped our daughter off of college yesterday. 
So cool. Today we go down and see our, sorry, today we go down and see our son and our new daughter-in-law. So cool. Sacrifices? Yeah. Can I show you the bank account? The time? The effort? So worth it. So very worth it. Owning a house. Joey, so worth it, right? We're neighbors. And, uh, you know, new houses, things going on, and it's just like, there's work. You got to mow, you got to clean, you got to watch people do things for you, trying to pay them to do for you, right? (laughs) And get them to do it for you. And the whole price, listen, it takes work. I just want to say this. A relationship with God, it takes effort, it takes work, it takes things that happen, right? But oh, let me tell you, it so rocks. Are you living kidding me? God's people are given a conditional covenant. Let me just finish this section, verse 7. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Did you get that? All the people are there and he comes down. Moses comes, listen, like the movie, Moses just didn't go up once and come down. This is like, this guy's exhausted. This guy has thighs like a, a horse going up and down this thing. And in this thing, as he's coming down and he tells the people what God had said, and they're all like, yeah, we want to do that. Yeah, we're in Yahweh. We'll find out. All that the Lord had spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear. Why is he coming in a thick cloud that the people may hear? Listen, listen, listen. This is the first time, as I understand it, the first real time through the story of Exodus that the people are going to be able to, if you will, hear God. I mean, so far, all this God has been working through Moses and so forth. And the communication has kind of been going through that channel. And yet God understands that through all of this, he wants for them to be able to hear from him as well. That the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. God's people are given a conditional covenant, verses 1, 9 through A. They have already seen what the Lord has done. It's time for them to make a choice. Are they going to obey it and keep it? Second, God's people are given a time of consecration and preparation. Middle of verse 9. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, he's back up. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. Verse 13, No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. In other words, if someone goes beyond the barrier, don't even touch the guy from a distance. Just take him out. Wow. Whether beast or man, little foo-foo or Snoopy dog crosses the line god's serious he shall not live (laughs) 
When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. (laughs) What's going on here? God says, Two days of consecration, two days of preparation, and then I'm coming. Two days to do what? Two days to clean up and wash. Why is that a big deal? Because back in those days, the cleaning of clothes, listen, they didn't have a walk-in closet in those days. They had generally like one set of clothes. So getting ready and changed was a big deal. Two million people, big deal. And they're getting clothes, they're getting washed, and it was a, a, a clearly a, a symbol, a reality of what was going on the inside of the person. And so there they are, they take two days to get cleaned and wash up. Two days to set up a boundary around the mountain. So they've got to set this mountain, we've got the mountain, and here we are, we're right before the mountain. And so they've got to get all the people together, and they've got to set a boundary around this mountain. And the boundary is there to be able to separate them from the holy God that is over all things. And so the God, God is there, and he does not want for anyone to be crossing this boundary because this is holy territory. Nick, you can, I won't let you be killed. And so this is the holy territory that's taking place in all of this. And in this whole process, they have to set a boundary. Why? Because God is holy. It's a reminder. Do not go in here. You go in there, you will die because of my holiness. We are set apart in sin. What an incredible picture of the reality of Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So two days they clean and wash, two days they set up a boundary, and two days of no sexual intimacy. Why? What's the deal with that? Because this is about a relationship. And this is about a relationship where all eyes, all hearts, all passions are focused on God. Listen, God invented sex. He's okay with it in the parameters as he said it. It's a good thing. It's a very good thing. And yet this is a holy time where it's about him and me. Him and the Israelites. Set those things aside because I want all eyes forward. I want all hearts focused on me. Full throttle relationship with God. God's people are given a conditional covenant. God's people are given a time of consecration. And now it's time for God's people to meet him. You ready to meet him? That's convincing. Verse 16. On the morning of the third day. On the morning. What happens in the morning? In the morning what happens is the people go out and they collect manna. Remember that? You forget the manna quail thing. It's easy to forget that. Every day. Every day. Every day they're out in the morning. I don't know when in the morning. I don't know if it was after the manna collecting, if it was before the manna collecting. But it's there in the, ma- in the morning, in the morning time. By the way, did you notice this third day? We've had seen third day a whole bunch of times now. Third day. Why? I'm not going to carry it beyond what I can carry it. But isn't it interesting? That's all I'm leaving it as. Isn't it interesting that after three days, God shows up? Kind of reminds me like, after the crucifixion? I'm not... 
Isn't, but I'm just saying, I'm saying, isn't it interesting? But it's morning. And imagine you're out collecting manna in the morning and you start hearing some things. What would it be like? Things like this. trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled folks could you imagine this imagine this with me that's why God wrote this a narrative what are you thinking right now where's the kids Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand. Folks, take your stand. It's time to stand. And the people came and they stood. And it was in the morning and they gathered together. And then they come and they come before the mountain of God. Verse 18, now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. And the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln. And the whole mountain trembled greatly. trumpet grew louder and louder and Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder I think I would have been peeing in my pants. 
Because something's been taking place that I have no control over. Something so big, so beyond, so godlike, so unexplainable, so powerful, so just like, what was that? So like, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. So like, I am so out of control of life. And like someone else is. And I am definitely not. Can you just imagine being there? You may say, Doug, you're getting awful theatrical. Absolutely. This is why it was written in narrative. That we would understand it. That we would feel it. That we might even see it, if you will. The boundary. We're here. He's there. He, he, he comes on the mountain. Hey, you know, the, where'd the horn come from? What did it sound like? I don't know, something like that. I don't know. But I just know this. He's a whole lot bigger than I am. Right? So in all of this, that's all I know. And that God that is now doing all this trembling, all this horn blowing, all this thunder, all this lightning, all this fog thing, all of this stuff that this God is doing has been the same God that for the last about year and two, three months has been showing himself big as well. But now it's a bit different because now we are all here gathered together, all two million of us, literally probably in order, and we are here at the mountain of God, and we've been preparing, and now he shows up, and I want to tell you something. This is a pinnacle point in redemptive history. God's talked with Abraham. God's uh, talked with, with Noah. God's talked with Adam and Eve face to face. But never has there been something like this, this expanse of this many people, a people set apart unto him. Can you just imagine God being there? And he's like, this is all coming together. So I know where this is going. And I want for you to know, I'm big. And in fact, I brought you out on eagle's wings to bring you here that you would be able to see and feel and hear the fact that I am Yahweh God of the earth. So at this point in time, this would be a great point in time for God to all of a sudden say, now that I have your attention, I have some things to communicate to you. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Okay, go ahead and grab a seat. In the next couple minutes, we are going to cover Exodus chapters 20 through chapter 31. In fact, just look at your Bible. What comes next? God gives the Ten Commandments. Now, is that not like a great time for God to be able to say, hey, now that I have your attention, I've got some things for you. It's like, oh, well, you set us up. No, 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 no. This is the thing where God has shown himself, and it's like, you got things to say, I want to know. 
I want to hear this stuff. Are you kidding me? Uh, two million of us, more than all of Indianapolis, gathered together before the, before the mountain of God, God showing himself and God communicating what it looks like to be a nation that's set apart unto him. I want to know what that's about. Are you kidding me? Go back there and live like a slave in Egypt? Are you kidding me to the dark, hard-hearted Pharaoh, Satan? I want to be here and I want to hear from you because if anything else, you've shown me that you're worthy to be the one who has something to say. And not only that, the things that you say, they're for my good, but ultimately they're for your glory. This is good stuff. Bring it, God. That's why earlier in chapter 19, they had said, all that the Lord had spoken, we will do. Why? Because they were set up. No, because they knew God. And people that have met God, that come to understand God, the God of the scriptures, my goodness, those are the people who go, big God, like I want to live for you. What we were singing about earlier. Oh, but then I got to give up this. Can I give up what? Give up what? Um, sin and pain? dead serious with you. Are you kidding me? When his sin ended up being a great delight for you. Listen, everybody knows in here, everybody knows in here, whether you know Christ as Savior or not, you know that sin leads to pain. And God's like, I've got something better. Just look at me. And so here he comes, he gives the Ten Commandments. Don't do these things, don't do these things, don't, don't do these things, do these things, and do these things. And then after that, then he starts laying about, listen, if you're going to be in my nation of people, oh, and by the way, you said you all wanted to, and you said, yeah, we're on board, yeah, we're with you. Okay, I got you, okay, good. Then I'm going to talk to you about laws about servants, I'm going to talk to you about laws about restitution, I'm going to talk to you about laws about social justice, I'm going to talk to you about laws about, now this is awful law law. No, no, these are, these are guidelines of how to function under God, to live for him. This is, this is how you be. This is how you work. This is how you think. Don't do those things because they don't give me glory. Not only that, P.S., by the way, they're like going to ruin your life. But do these things. And I am telling you, I'm not saying that life is going to be all health, wealth, and happiness and that bull story that is so often given today. Come to Jesus and everything will be fine. No! Come to Jesus and there's purpose and there's hope and there's eternity and there's great joy even in the suffering for him. Are you kidding me? It's awesome. I'm a little fired up about this. Why? Because all week I've been able to sit at the mountain of God. I've loved this week. I've been able to sit there and it's just rocking my head. Doc, you idiot. You are such a fool. And he is so cool. Oh. And so God delivers how to live for him. That's all that is. And we come up and we keep going. Chapter 22. What's after chapter 22? Good. Chapter 23. 
And then later on, and then 26, the tabernacle. Oh, God talks about putting together a tabernacle. Listen, this experience that these people are having right at this moment in time, God is going to set it up to where he's going to be doing this all the time. Right among them. Oh, that's bad. What? Every day, manna quail. God's there. Oh, oh, oh. Why can't we have that? We do. Listen, here's the benefit, folks. We have the full, complete scriptures. We have story after story after story, truth after truth after truth. Listen, we have so much more than these people ever had. And not only that, we have God who came in the flesh, who died on the cross and broke the barrier. And now the curtain, we sang that Revelation song. It was there, the one before, one of those songs. The curtain is broken. The access to God is there. Uh, Listen, this is not about living under the law. This is about the joyful. Are you kidding me? I don't want to live over there. I want to like live over here. That's what it's about. And I want to reside. And yet it's the fact of, oh, I've got so far to go. I've got to learn this process. And these dear people have to learn the process. But God's helping them. Listen, I want to tell you, I want to do great things with you. I want Israel, I want for you to be a nation of priests of the world. I want for you to be the people that, that, that is an example to the world that understands what it means to be a people set apart That's what the holy means. Not perfect in ourselves, but set apart unto God. I want for you to be able to live that before the world. And we get that opportunity. (sighs) Chapter 30, the altar of incense. Chapter 31. Listen, and then chapter 32. Oops. What's chapter 32? The golden calf. Oops. Let me say this, though. Chapter 32 next week. What hope. I can stand here today and get all crazy with you today. I'm just fired up about this. This has been just a blessed time in this passage. But these people fail. And there's consequences of sin. But God has covenanted himself to these people. Not because they deserve it. But because he has made a promise and a covenant to reside with his people. Have you met Christ? I'm not talking about do you know about him? Have you come to a place and a time to where the whole story of what the scripture talks about, God coming in flesh, living as a man, sinless, dying on a cross, rising from the dead, paying the price that I could not pay. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring you to God, the scriptures tell us. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, not just about facts, but the kind of thing to where I've seen and I've come to understand and I'm laying my life and it's a life course change. Those who that, it says you may know that you have eternal life with them, both for the future and for today. Have you met 
the Lord. I'm not talking about a spooky experience. I'm talking about coming to the place where truth changes your entire course of life. I've been all about me. It's now time to be all about him. I'm here, a sinner, only through Christ can I know you. Listen, God's people are called to live a very special life. It's special. Oh, my word. So wonderful. Let's pray. Lord, this has kind of been one of those lay it all on the line mornings. And I knew that going in because I see this passage and I'm just awed by how you laid it all on the line for your people. Lord, I pray that this morning would not be remembered as a, oh, wasn't that cute? We had sound effects. Father, I would pray that we would remember this morning as a time where you got a little bit bigger in our understanding. Lord, I thank you so much for your grace, your patience. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it, even the Ten Commandments is there to reveal to us the fact of our sin and your total holiness. It doesn't save us, but it does instruct us that we need a Savior. I thank you also that, uh, that your laws, as are talked about here, that they also help restrain us. They help, help, help us understand what it means to live for you and to live under you. Lord, I just thank you that you've come, you've communicated, you've shown yourself, and you have a plan and all of this reminds me of Revelation 21. There is a day that is coming when you will dwell with man. I just want to say bring it on. Because if it's anything like this, I want to be there. Lord, may we be a people set apart unto you for your glory. Help us. And may we be purposed to pursue you in faith and diligence and love. Thanks for meeting with us. In the name of Christ, amen.